right, here we go. It is podcasting time. I'm James Pikeway. Dr. Jenna Burton is in her house. I'm at the Rolf Hotel downtown Dubai. Jenna's in the metaverse at home, and we're on Zoom. So if you're listening, you will hear her. Jenna's voice does not sound like she's exactly sitting next to me because she's metaversely sitting next to me. But hey, you know what? All the same, we're talking medical things and stuff that's on our minds. And it's it's great to be back in the virtual room with Jenna. Hello. Hi, James. Hey. <laughs> we were both talking before we pushed the play button about traffic and people going back to work and getting people to school and, 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 and. It's brutal everywhere, worldwide. (laughs) It is. And I don't know whether it gets worse each year or you just forget how bad it was before it stopped for a little while. But it seems to be so much worse this year. And I know Dubai is certainly thriving right now, but it does seem a little bit painful the amount that we're sitting in traffic. Painful is the key. It's so so painful to the point that I make sure that I'm not on the red anymore because I'm notorious for driving below the red on my car. I've never had to go and get the walk of shame jiffy can, but I don't want to either get the walk of shame jiffy can. So now I always make sure I have extra fuel because James, I'm in someone traffic. who has done the walk of shame jiffy can <laughs> and has had to have the car collected in the middle of nowhere because, purely because I couldn't be bothered going to get petrol. Don't do it. <laughs> don't go below that quarter. And definitely, <clears throat> sometimes you'll get the red light when the petrol's low and then it starts to flash and that means you're seriously low you really should have got petrol before then i don't know whether you've ever got that low but i've got that low so my my dad back in the day had so this has got to be like you know like the, the the late 80s early 90s he had a chrysler k car new yorker and it was one of these talking cars, you're low on fuel. And it was like the first gen of these kind of things. But when it said you're low on fuel, it really meant you're going to run out instantaneously. So it would say you're low on fuel and then would stop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to get a bit more of a warning than that. Yeah, hey? exactly. It's like, there's no time. Oh, anyway, th- this is a great segue, though, into and, and getting back to work, getting back to school and People, adults, children, illnesses are coming back. No masks, no masks. No masks. You know, the UAE has gone, the mask mandate has been lifted. As my son would call it, the freedom muzzle is gone. And (laughs) and we're, we're, you know, so much of the world is in this category. I was in the United States in the summer and parts of that where, you know, there was no one wearing masks or just people who were concerned were wearing masks in groups. And of course you could still wear one if you want, but it's, it's mask free. And, and I, I'm not that I'm worried about anything, but I, I am slightly aware of the fact that this means people are going to be sneezing more. They're going to be coughing more, not necessarily into their hands or a cloth or something. And that means, you know, these nasties are going to be circulating. And I, that worries me a little bit. And and when I when we were talking, I know, I said, you want to get a word in. I'm not going to let you get a word in, but I will. No, I know. I know we always have this, though, don't we? I speak too much. <laughs> no, no. You're, you're supposed to be talking. You're the doctor. But, but. We were talking with some folks back in Canada about kids and, you know, just seasonal illnesses. And they said, it's, it, there's no 
cough medicine on the shelves. They are barren. It's gone. So A, there's a shortage, and B, there's a demand. So it is, people are sending pictures of just empty white shelves where all of the children's, and, and actually the adult cough medicines too, are really running, running out. It's scary. So before we even address the mask issue, there has been studies that show that cough syrups work only as well as warm water with honey and lemon. So, you know, people, especially in the UAE, everyone loves a good cough syrup. And sometimes they can feel nice and as they burn a little bit as they go down, that's quite nice and warm feeling, a bit like the old school whiskey thing that they used to do with a hot toddy of a night if you went 100%. Aren't but, you supposed to be doing those now anyway? A hot toddy, isn't that, isn't that mandatory? I thought we're all supposed to have one of those. I'm, I don't think I'm meant to recommend it, if I'm honest. There used to be a patient on one of the wards, a little old lady, and she used to bring in a little bit of Guinness, and it was her iron. So every night it was kept in a lock and key cabinet and we would give her her Guinness. And I think it used to even be prescribed and she loved it. And it was things she'd done for years and years. Now none of that's allowed, oh, not allowed. And I'd say in Dubai, definitely not allowed to recommend so, alcohol as your treatment therapy. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Uh, yeah. So you're, you're saying cough medicine really, you know, you, you probably get as a decent result from warm liquid, a little bit of warm tea, put some honey in there, something to coat your throat, and away you go. All I can tell you is that that's what we recommend in the UK, and that's what's been shown. Wow. It doesn't mean people don't get some benefits yeah, sometimes. Yeah. And is it, oh gosh, I can't remember the brand name. It's like Pressban or something like that. Prospan, There's um, Prospan. Yeah, yeah. See, you know it. You've lived in Dubai for so long. You know that's a really well-used, common cough syrup that you get here. And people do sometimes come back and they say, oh, yeah, it really helped to help suppress my cough. But the reality is, is that when you've had some sort of viral or bacterial illness, your airways become hyper reactive. And it's that that causes the cough. It's like a spasm of the airway. And it's hard to it's actually quite hard to suppress that. And sometimes that can linger for quite a while after the illness itself is already gone. So, yes, cough syrups. If they make you feel good and you feel okay and just check the ingredients on the back, sometimes they can have lots of sweeteners in and things like that to make them taste nice. Make sure that they're not things that react with your stomach. If, if, if you get on with them and they work, by all means, take them, check they don't interact with any of the medications you're on. But the reality is get the kettle on, get your lemon, <laughs> some honey, and you'll probably be just about as right. So we, I have my, my wife's cousin who is a doctor in Boston and uh, Dr. Susie Sarfati. And one of her things, I remember going to visit Dr. Susie just, you know, for some fun. Again, we're we're talking mid-80s. You know, we drive down to Boston, get some scrawd, wonderful visit. And she had this bad cold. And she said, you know, my go-to for coughs and colds, she took a, a, you know, piece of toast, lathered it up with butter, and then she crushed about 10 or 12 cloves of garlic on it, lathered it up, and then downed it. And she just said, you know what? It gets rid of the cold every time. <laughs> I'm just going, ah! There is definitely a link with garlic and our immune system, and I, I've got to be honest, it's not something that I've researched extensively. But I know a lot of people take, like, raw garlic cloves on a regular basis, like just swallow them or whatever. I can't imagine the, the aftertaste of that, but... You know, it probably does help. Why? I'm not sure. Speak to a naturopath will probably be able to tell you further. Yeah. But there's an awful lot about medicine we don't know about, which I've said, said lots of times. But going back to what you said, James, about this whole mask not wearing situation, you know, let's refer back to your OCD, of course. Um, it's a hard one. And I have the medical head and I have, 
the more compassionate human head, I suppose. I personally hated the mask. I think there was a time that they were absolutely right to take and we were worried about a real life-threatening illness. And I think that's sort of not gone, but it's settled. And would I rather have some coughs and colds in the year, but be able to see people's faces, expressions, go back to my my um, other pastime of hugging that I enjoy? And yeah, I would. And I think that there's something so important about being able to see people's faces and going back to normality a little bit Mm. so you can't have everything so if that's that you get a few more coughs and colds a year it depends and if you're someone that chooses not to keep your mask on keep it on i you know i guess there's 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 scenarios where you want to have a mask on like so i'm thinking when i'm sitting in my class i can take the mask off now this is great i teach public speaking so eh, nice to be able to see a face walking in really congested corridors might be okay to put the mask back on if i'm standing in the elevator i might have the mask on but I think there's so many places you don't need to wear it now. I think that's going to be good. I know, I'm excited about all this. Do you feel a bit self-conscious wearing your mask now that everybody's got them off? Like, do you feel that there's almost, um, it might go back to prior to COVID, if you were one of those guys wearing a mask, people would give you sort of a bit of a funny look. D- does that bother you? Do you feel like that's something that might come in? No. I don't no, care. Well, you're, you are quite proud. <laughs> I, I, I was at this conference yesterday. Let me just get this. And I only realized after when I was looking at the video, I was wearing this hat the whole time, you know, kind of like this. I, I was, and then I looked around because I was looking at some pictures. I'm going, who's that guy with the hat on? Oh, that's me. And then I realized no one else had a hat on. Uh, I was also dressed like this. So, you know, I was like, nah, it's mask on. Well, but that's good. And I don't think there should be a stigma around masks, to be honest. I feel like you should be able to make yeah. that choice yourself, especially with everything that we've just gone through with COVID. Well, I, and I think that's kind of the bright side is if people now want to wear a mask because you've got common colds and flus and stuff and you want to wear masks in congested areas, people aren't going to look at you funny anymore. They're just going to go, oh, there's someone's got a holdover. Or maybe they've got a cold. So if, if I've got a cold and I'm going to be around a bunch of people, I'm going to keep the mask on so that I'm not spreading as much of that stuff directly onto you. So I know I I think it's going to be good. So uh, thing is though, sorry, James, to interject one last thing. And I know I'm, I'm from the North of England. We, we've got a lot to say. We speak really fast and usually I'd say 60, 70, maybe up to 90% of of what we say is useless, but we still (laughs) like to speak. Um, very quickly. I think the now there is a new generation of people that are terrified of coughs and colds. And I've seen it as a parent in the school. There's been debates of, hang on, that child's a little bit sniffly. From my perspective, I think children get sniffly quite a lot. I don't think it's something that you can entirely avoid. I think as long as they've not got fevers, then they're not so unwell. Like, where's the line now as to what's appropriate and when can we go out? Because we can't hide away whenever we're not in an entire perfect house, surely. Uh, it's, it's, it, you know, it is a real topical debate. Uh, you know what? It's a, that's a huge question. When is it okay? When is it not okay? How, how are we going to deal with that? That's big. That is big. And, and you know what? That's a nice segue into just a little bit of a checkup on you've got children uh, in, in grade school. You've got, you've got children. You've got a child who's in nursery. What's, what's it looking like? What's it looking like for childhood illnesses, which inevitably end up with the adults as well? Not always, you know, actually, my little girl's got herpangina at the moment, which is more of a childhood illness, tend to get it before the age of seven. So I feel quite comfortable taking her out theoretically and medically with people that are older. 
But the fact is, I'm actually hiding her away at the moment because everybody is scared. You look at her, she's covered in this really aggressive rash. She looks dreadful. She looks like something out of a horror film, to be honest. And she's such a, I think, a beautiful little girl. Uh, all these blisters around her mouth are actually inside her mouth as well. Oh, no. Um, yeah, and I've been keeping her in the pram because I've had to take her with me to the school and keeping her in the prams so that nobody comes in contact because with her um, and sort of reassuring people that, you know, she's probably past the contagious stage right now, but people don't like to be around that. And I've certainly kept her off nursery. James, I have to pause one second. Let me just turn that monitor off. We got the Dr. Jenna is in the metaverse at home. So she is now going to adjust up the monitor that is uh, letting her know what's going on in the home. So uh, she's back. It's the metaverse. <laughs> Hang on. The metaverse emergency. That, I, that sounded better in my head. So, but yeah, so... So what are you, what are you, what are you treating your daughter? How are we, how do you treat this rash? Is there anything, you know, is, is just comfort? Is that all that you can do? Well, my mum has made me laugh because she keeps saying, when are you going to take it to the doctors? It's like, you know, there are some things that I do take my children because I need an objective opinion for. And sometimes I've even presented my child to a pediatrician and said, I know they're fine, but I need you to tell me that they're fine. Just can you tell me? But I've seen this before. She's had it before. So I know it's a viral illness. It runs its course. Uh, Paracetamol in the form of Panadol, Calpol, antihistamine to help with the itching of the rash. Um, trying to give her things to soothe inside her mouth because she's got blisters inside her mouth. That's the worst. So you can the use, worst. Yeah, like honey sprays for, for her throat. Does that um, exist? I've never heard of it. Really? Where do you get honey spray? Yeah, propolis. Propolis spray. Okay. It's got, it's got like honey inside. It's... um. It tastes kind of tangy. It actually doesn't taste like honey, but it has got um, honey inside it. So I believe in the pharmaceutical rep, but it works. Um, Things like giving her like ice lollies, things like that, just to, again, help with the pain. Soothing creams over her skin. You could consider um, a a mild, mild steroid cream, but to be honest, I don't think these have been bad enough to warrant that. Um, So it's it's just supportive care, giving her food when she's ready, making sure she's exceptionally well hydrated, especially when the fevers are, that is sort of a care at the beginning of the illness, they can have really, really high fevers. So it's really important yeah. to make sure she's still passing urine and, and taking lots of water. Oh, excellent. Well, I'm glad that she's on the mend. Colds, coughs, and sniffles, any of that starting to spread around the schools? Of course, yes. And that's what's caused this big debate with within our classroom as to when is appropriate to go in. Yeah. And I think we're starting to revert back to the old school rules. So during the height of COVID, if you wiped your child's nose at the entrance, even if it was just a prophylactic wipe, that yep. was them off school for two weeks. <laughs> we are tending to revert back to the acceptance that children are building an immune system. It's an important part of maturation of, of their immune system and their immunology. And therefore, they've got to catch the odd cold. But it's inevitable they're going to get a little cough. The difference is how unwell they are with it. So if you find that the child's got fevers, they're not eating, they're lethargic, this child's not appropriate to go to school for them or for their peers. If they've got a very mild runny nose, maybe sort of a lingering cough from an illness that they had before, but it's dry and they're otherwise completely well in themselves, there shouldn't be a reason why they're not able to attend school. And again, let's think we've got the balance, haven't we, of maintaining an education for each child, but also keeping all the children safe and trying to stop them from being really unwell. So if that line isn't it, and and each parent has a different one as to what they think is appropriate. And so all I say is listen to the school nurse, in Dubai, we've got school doctors as well. They'll have a set of guidelines that you can get online and they are enforced in the KHDA and they are enforced by the DHA. 
and the Dubai Health Authority. And so it should be a scientific basis for what they're going on. All right. So follow your gut, be be responsible. And I guess it, in a lot of cases, the big challenge for parents who've got kids going to school is parents have to go to work. And if you don't have yeah. someone at home to take care of your kids, someone's got to take time off. You got to find someone who will tend to your children. That's a big ask. And so that, that can be a big motivator in, in you're going to school. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And it is a problem, isn't it? And, yeah. you know, even, um, even when Neve was really not well, I was luckily I was off on the first day. I was thinking, my goodness, what would I, what would I have done? Because you don't want to leave them. Even if you have someone to cover, yeah. you don't want to leave your child that's unwell. Even Neve now, like she's luckily asleep at the moment. But when she's awake, she looks so awful. I just want to, I want to be with her, even though yeah. she's actually a lot better in herself. And I think that is a real maternal and paternal instinct to want to be with your children. Mm. And there is no right answer to that. It's just the hope that you have a supportive workplace that understands that children do get unwell sometimes. But at the the real crux of it, you cannot send a child to school deep down. And every parent knows deep down that they shouldn't be going. You always know because inevitably you will drop that child off at school. Within an hour, you you get the phone call. We're really sorry, Mrs. Whoever, Mr. Whoever. Um, can you please come and pick up your child? And that's even more, that's even more of a nightmare. The child's not well, they're upset, they're missing their mummy, they're waiting in the school nurse's office for you to collect them. And and then you've got to go home and watch Paw Patrol. So Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so what what's your suggestion going into the winter months? Do you have any do you have any hey, I've got the you've got the inside track. This is what I would do, this is what I'm doing with my family to get us ready and possibly create that barrier against the nasties? I think creating a barrier is difficult because they are out there. So it's up to you. If you're worried enough to wear a mask, then wear a mask by all means. And as I say, I don't think we should create a stigma around the mask. And it's actually something that I worry about. And especially if you're unwell, yeah, put a mask on. It's it's polite, isn't it? I think it's now become a a courtesy thing. Make sure you're taking a multivitamin a day. If you're older, I always recommend a multivitamin. Make sure it's got sufficient vitamin D. You're looking around a thousand units, international units a day. But speak to your doctor about that if you need to get your level checked as well multivitamin make sure there's enough vitamin d and a cod liver oil tablet or some other vegan or vegetarian replacement really important for gut health brain health and even even for your skin actually to make sure you get those um oils so that should be standard across the board as you get into the winter it gets a bit cooler things like warming soups that are full of vegetables fresh soups you can buy them or make them in fact i don't watch much cookery programs because i have approximately minus five percent interest in any form of cooking but i did watch a video this morning in fact from jamie oliver on how to make a minestrone soup and it was basically you take a big pan you cut up whatever leftovers you got in carrots celery whatever you fry them up with a little bit of oil throw in some chopped tomatoes a stock cube there you go you've got a really nice warming soup full of goodness so making sure that you're eating well we get it less so in Dubai, but sometimes when it's cold, we can get in from work and not want to go and do any form of exercise or move our bodies. But to remember that that's still important, even when it's cold and you really, really can't be bothered and you want to cozy up in front of the fire, still try and think, what could I do tonight? Or if not, mm-hmm. is it better to get up in the morning early and try and do something, even if it's just in your lounge doing a quick hit workout a day? A big, I, I've had this big life change in exercise. It's weird. Because I've always been the morning runner and I found I'm not running in the morning anymore. I'm running in the afternoons because I was just too stiff in the mornings. 
and I was going out and I, and I was doing it, but it was just like, oh, what is going on? This is, it wasn't feeling good. So I moved it to the afternoons because my motivation is I have a dog that needs to go out. So I walk him in the mornings and we're running in the afternoon. But I now moved this exercising to the afternoons and it's a totally different experience. Weird. It's um, funny, but each person has the time of the day that's most appropriate for them to exercise. And if you can naturally lean towards that, you'll find it a lot easier. Yeah. I find it a lot harder to motivate myself of an evening to exercise. I find the motivation mm. difficult, but I always inevitably have a much stronger workout of an evening. I'm actually much stronger. I don't know. That's yeah. because um, I, I get a second wind or because I've taken all my nutrition from the day. Yeah. But I'm much stronger at nighttime. But try and get me to do it over nighttime, really hard. <laughs> oh, I'm the same. I'm the same. I can find a million excuses. Oh, I've got some podcasting yeah. to work on. Oh, I've got some schoolwork to do. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Maybe if I get an early night, I could get up earlier in the morning. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah. Uh, go with your natural tendencies, but do try and keep moving, even if it's raining outside, whatever it may be, just just do something. And then other than that, it's just, you know, it, it's the basics, James. There is no way of shielding yourself. The other thing is to accept that these things will happen. And I think that's the bigger problem at the moment is people do not want to accept any more that coughs, cold sniffles and i'd say that you're one of these people as well james they are an inevitable part of life and it's an inevitable part of communities of of tactile relationships it's you know it, this is sadly part of being a human being and i don't think we're going to be able to entirely avoid it until we manage to get a vaccine that covers every single virus in the world it so yeah, it's not happening. You, you don't wish to accept. As soon as I get a little scratch in the throat, it's like, oh, no, oh, no, no, please, no. Okay, went away. It's good. <laughs> I think it depends. I used to, uh, occasionally when I lived in England, and it was all cold and whatever, and you woke up and you were absolutely full of cold. And there was no way you could go in to see patients. You'd be like, oh, I'll just cozy back up in my duvet with a nice lem sip, and then I'll make some Heinz mushroom soup at lunchtime. And it was almost like you got an indulgent few days to yourself until you had that groggy bit at the end where you still don't feel great, but you know you've got to go to work. So, um, you know, mild illnesses, I don't know, try and make the most of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to jump into our second topic, and that's burns. And we've got, you know, there's a whole bunch of them because it's still warm and, and people are going to go away on vacation. So you've got all that that seasonal warm stuff. But I want to, I want to talk really specifically first just about physical burns because we were we were in the kitchen and kitchens are a dangerous place and it's amazing how quickly you can get yourself into a whole bunch of trouble whether it be stovetop things on the stovetop ovens and then any other things that are around there hot kettles crock pots you know the list goes on toasters toasters are are vicious uh, coffee makers, espresso machines. Dishes. What on earth are you doing with your toaster? You know, if you if you get too close and you d- d- you decide you can't get it with a knife, so you start put your finger in there to get stuff out. Boom, burn. Who does that, James? <laughs> you don't do it. That's do, just don't do people, it. People do that stuff. They're, they're just not thinking. It's early in the morning. They haven't got enough caffeine on board. So, and what really brought it up is we were there, we we were doing a little bit of deep frying in the in the home, a little bit of tofu deep fried because you know it, it takes away all the good stuff and gives you that that good crispy outside that you can dip into something. So it, any nutritional value is gone, and putting that stuff into the pot, uh, the, you know, the spouse got a, a burnt finger because it just jumped up on her, and it was like, oh no, what do, you know, got to treat this burn, and you know, back in Canada turn the tap on you get the cold water you get your finger under that cold water probably in most parts of the world you got this the cold water going yeah my water's not cold <laughs> so suddenly it's like 
what do we do? And I remember my grandmother would always say, slather some butter on that. That'll, that'll, <laughs> I know. So I want to talk burns and get, uh, get your take on what do we do? What, what's, what's the, the treatment? There's, we got some great notes on this too. Don't put butter on them. The problem is with butter, Vaseline, any of those remedies that we used to be told to yes. look after our burns. Yes, they're soothing in a sense to the skin, but they have they have a fatty layer in them. And what that does, it keeps the heat inside. So so it's it's really it's the kryptonite to burns. You don't you don't want to oh no, yeah. that's the wrong way. That's the kryptonite was what Superman had and it was worse. Ignore that. Kryptonite to burns because it's it's gonna not help the burn. That's good. You know, you got that right. Did I get it right? Yeah, Thanks, yeah. James. I'm so glad. My boys would be so proud. <laughs> so <laughs> what you want to do is avoid anything that's got an oily layer inside. So if you have cool water, that's the ideal. It's literally for as long as you can tolerate, just keep your finger underneath. Don't apply ice. Ice can be sticky and it can stick to the burn. Okay. So just cool water. If you can get a cool compress, that's fine. But just make sure it's not a material like cotton, you know, like cotton wool, bud, because yep. again, that will, that will tend to stick to the burn. For as long as you can tolerate, just, just keep applying that. They normally say sort of between 10 to 20 minutes, um, even up to 30 if you can. Then remove everything and apply like an antibiotic cream if you can. Now, there's different types of burns because obviously if it's just a real superficial burn, Yep. The skin turns a little bit red, but there's no blistering, etc. That's fine. Treat it at home. If it's a lot deeper, the pain tends to be getting worse rather than getting better. It's bigger than three centimeters. It's on the palms of your hands or on your feet or near a joint or something like that. Then that's going to require a trip to the A&E department or ED, mm-hmm. as we as we started to call it now, um, just to have it checked out. Other than that, it's just going to be a case of, as I say, antibiotic creams and and trying to keep not put anything on it as well because you want that heat to escape out of the skin. If the blister does form, try not to pop it because the blister is Everyone wants to break the blisters. That's a big thing. I'm going to break this Um, blister. It's like squeezing a spot, isn't it? Or pressing a bruise. There's something weirdly satisfying about it. But no, don't do it because that is a protective layer which your body's protecting the, the... the skin that's burnt underneath. The other thing is if you do have big burns, people don't realize, but the most dangerous thing about the burn is not actually to the skin necessarily itself. It's the fact that the skin is a barrier for infection. So it puts you at really severe risk of exceptionally nasty infections. Mm. So sometimes you might need to have antibiotics, whether they're applied topically or whether they're, they're taken orally to protect you and also dehydration. So, and again, we're not talking about minor burns. It's, it's the more widespread the burn is, that's what becomes more of an issue. And, and we have completely different rules for how to rehydrate somebody with a burn as to any other type of illness because the amount of water that they need is amazing. Because think, again, the skin also stops you just losing loads and loads of water. So it's your protective mechanism of stopping you getting infected and stopping the water loss, significant water loss anyway. I'm always amazed at how, fast it is for a burn to form you know you've you've got the hot kettle you've poured some water then a bit of it lands on your hand and boom you know that skin is is damaged and you've got this significant burn or you know we don't you don't have kitchen etiquette so someone's walking behind you you don't realize it you're backing up and you drop a whole thing of soup on them or a sauce or whatever it's so easy for burns to happen and and so common really yeah, and I I really get frustrated when I'm in the UK, and I my mum probably will never listen to this. That's fine, but she always. <laughs> I'm going to send it to her. <laughs> <laughs> you have her number. Um, she said, "Guess who called me the other day? It's James Pike away." Um, 
when she has the children on her lap, she will reach over and start drinking her tea. And it is something that you, well, I grew up sort of lying on my mum and dad's lap and they'd have their cup of tea in hand. What a silly thing to do. What an absolutely really crazy thing to do. Because if that was to fall onto their face, you could end up with disfiguring scars for the rest of their life. And a cup of tea is basically boiling water for the first few minutes. So really not a good idea. Be very careful. Make sure that your hot drinks are kept completely out of reach of children, of course. Uh, My little girl, one of the first things that she learned to do was to look at the oven and point and go, hot, hot, hot. And it's just something that we just reinforce all the time. No, you don't go near here. It's hot. People start to encourage children to make toast themselves, for instance, and they don't realize that they're then starting with their metal knife, that they're about to put the butter on or the jam, whatever it may be, when they start trying to dig inside to get the, the piece of toast out, you know, make That's sure when that they, they use their out. finger because the knife's not working. Just stick the finger no, in there. James, how dangerous is it? You've got electricity in the toaster and then oh, you're no. putting a metal object in there. <laughs> Just imagine it. Yeah, it's no, it's, it's horrible. You get, you just can't do it. Not a good idea. No. So, yeah, just remembering to teach children, you know, kitchen safety from a very how, early age. How about the cookie sheet? The child is down there and they lift their hand up to get a cookie off the fresh cookie sheet that's just come yeah. out of the oven and they palm of their hand burn. Even bowls of really hot food that they might put by the edge of the, the worktop and they put their hands. Yeah. Um, you know, always good idea to consider a baby gate. Problem is, is that you also need to be able to keep an eye on your children. And if yeah. you've got a kitchen that's around the corner and you can't see what they're up to, yeah. you know, again, it's that that balancing act of what's safest, what's most appropriate. So just remembering to the basics of keep things pushed right back on the surface. You can also get things that are basically like a little stands that you can put hot, hot objects on that the children would not be able to reach and put it right at the back of the worktop. But sadly, burns, we've all had them from the kitchen. They are inevitable. It's just, if you need pain relief, take pain relief and just try and get something cool, but not ice cold on there. And just remember nothing that's going to stick and definitely stay away from the butter or the Vaseline. Years ago, I, I burnt my hand and, and you, there's no there's no visible uh, scarring or anything left to it. it. It really blistered up. But to this day, this hand, if I put it anywhere near something warm, like warm water, it's excruciating. Like it, I've got zero insulation on this hand. And I mean, even just, you know, scraping the barbecue, I've got to put a glove on because it will, it, it, it's, it's amazing. The, the after effect of that. Absolutely. And the deeper the burn, the more likely you are to damage the nerves yeah. underneath. There so you probably have given yourself a bit of nerve damage. And if you think about the palms of your hands, you have got so many sensory outlets here and they are so, so densely populated with nerves that that's why the palms of the hands, the soles of the feet, anything like around the lips or the face or even joints, because obviously from a functional um, movement, you need to consider going to the a much more readily than anywhere else. Mm. And if the burn continues to get worse, the chances are that that, that heat has not been extracted properly and still burning inside. Again, another reason why you go to the a department. Sunburns, it's always too late. We've, we've seen people, especially as they're coming on vacation, we're in the UAE, it's beautiful. The weather's getting much nicer. A couple more months and it's going to be the place to be. Oh, it's great. FIFA, the World Cup's going to be just next door, 45 yeah, minutes away. Sure. But is, isn't it incredible when you see people who've been out in the sun and they're not wearing enough sunscreen, they're not wearing any sunscreen, and you know, you're watching the clock and, oh, there's the red, it's too late. And now they've got this sunburn that is going to be a disaster and it just follows along the same the same the same thing that we've been talking about 
can be very uncomfortable as well sunburn like you can often need to have significant painkillers to to treat it i have seen quite an increase in skin cancers i would say subjectively in younger populations and i'm sure that that will be mirrored by statistics across the board because we are spending more and more time outdoors it's sadly it is still considered an attractive, healthy thing to have a suntan. And I don't think we're going to be able to change that culture anytime soon. I have a million bottles of Samaritz and Saint-Tropez fake tan. It's not applied well. It's always done in a rush. It's a bit streaky, but it makes me feel a little bit better. And isn't that a much safer way of, of sort of staying tanned all year round? I still like to be in the sun as we do. The, it's a lovely feeling when sort of that sun really sinks into our skin, but it's being able to manage it carefully. So having small amounts of time in the sun, making sure we have factor 30 and above, there's a bit of a debate as to which one's considered the real sunblock. Between factor 30 and 100, you're talking about 1% or 2% difference in the amount of concentration to, mm. uh, of, of sun damage that it can protect you from. So I really wouldn't worry so much as long as you have at least factor 30. If you can buy factor 100, go and buy it. Great. You've got that extra 1% uh, sun protection. And also making sure that your sun cream is good quality. The best type of sunscreen is one that has a mechanical barrier so you're talking about zinc or titanium um, oxide and you can read in the back you'll, you'll see it in the back and that they are the best type of some sorry the best types of sunscreen to buy uh, as opposed to the more like um liquid type it's not liquid i can't remember the name of it now but you have mechanical barriers and then you have more like emollient type barriers and you want one with the mechanical barrier in it's more expensive but you know what it does it does the job mm, i'm with you. you you know the other thing that i start to notice when we start talking about warm temperatures and getting out there and, and the sun is is we 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 can get heat exhaust heat exhaustion heat stroke all these kind of things it doesn't actually have to be too hot for that to happen and especially if you're going to be going away on vacation it's something you want to think about but here's something that it's kind of interesting in my world is i i I was starting to notice midday, even when I was in the office, I was starting to feel a little bit sluggish and, you know, maybe my head's starting to feel. So I started taking a no sugar added um, sachet of electrolytes. Yeah, and you're going to say that. And I, you know, my wife said, what are you taking electrolytes for? And I said, you know, I'm I'm experimenting here, but I want to see if this actually does anything. And I'm starting to think that even when I was in the office, I was getting dehydrated and didn't realize it because I feel a whole bunch different, especially after doing this every day, taking just midday. I just, you know, midday sometime between, you know, 12 and 2, I'll have a a, a dose of electrolytes. And I found over a two-week span, by the end of those two weeks, I'm just, I'm, I just feel like a different person. It's, it's, it's rather, rather odd. No, I'd say it's a bit of a trend actually that's coming in. There's a lot of these drinks. You see them in little sachets yeah. and you put them into some water and they're really being promoted at the moment. Some of them even and have caffeine if you're a caffeine lover. They do. <laughs> my my issue with them is that they often have a lot of sweeteners and yeah. there's a huge amount of the population that got massive GI issues and inability to, to digest artificial sweeteners. So just be careful that that's not you before you take them. But absolutely, electrolyte drinks, especially if you're going to be in sport, you're working outside, you're... Um, exercising outside even more so. Yeah, they're absolutely, they're, they're brilliant. I prescribe them regularly for people that have got diarrhea or vomiting because it just helps maintain that homeostasis inside the body. So they're certainly not a bad idea if you can, if you can tolerate them. Also, good to just drink plenty of water too when yeah. you're out and about. <laughs> and don't forget, you can, I talked about sort of 
um, zinc and titanium oxide that you can get in your um, sunscreen. What about the actual physical barrier of a sun hat? You yeah. always wear your sun top, don't you, when you're in, in the sunshine? Absolutely. Um, keeping cool in the pool, but being aware that when you're in the pool, that also the you don't you're not actually aware of how hot it is getting. When people start to suffer with heat exhaustion, it's when people start to feel dizzy. They can feel a bit sick. The body is struggling to maintain the temperature that they should be at in, internally. And that's a time that you want to get out the sun, maybe take a, a coolish bath, maybe put some ice packs underneath your um, your armpits or around your neck. That's, that's considered the area that you want to try and cool down because it's kind of closer to the heart and the head, etc. It's kind of more central. Um, and you, you really have got to be very aware that that's time to really rehydrate, take your electrolyte drinks, James, because once you get to full-blown sunstroke, that's actually a medical emergency exactly. that requires any treatment. So, and I just think it's, it's worth reminding people that it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be too warm. And if you're just out in the sun, you're out in a warm day and you're not drinking enough liquids and, and that's, you know, liters of liquids. It's not just, oh, I'm going to have a, a can of 7-Up or something. You need to have liters of decent liquids, which I don't think a lot of people do. Kids don't for sure. And, and lo and behold, then we start running into trouble and it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. The simple things. But it also depends on whether you're used to it. So I met you, remember we both randomly had a privily day. We bumped into each other. I had my dad with me visiting from the UK. I was having a lovely time. It was great. I was like, stay a bit longer. My dad was really sick after that mm. because I think <laughs> I shouldn't really, I should be more aware myself as well, but I was having such a nice time with the children. We were in at the pool. The children were only little and I'd forgotten that my dad was just not used to the heat. He lives yeah, in, yeah. in the UK. He also has a bald bump. So he has, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and doesn't wear a hat in case he gets tan lines. Crazy. Um, and so, you know, he's got direct exposure to the sunlight and he just said i just can't cope with the heat anymore also he's older so sometimes as you get older or younger they're even less likely to be able to cope with the heat and be able to compensate for those those changes in the environmental temperature Mm. so it's it's be aware i think that's the key when we talk about temperature we talk about sun we talk about illness (laughs) we talk everything we've talked about today be aware have your be be alert be thinking and you'll be okay. I mean, we've kind of talked about two different areas, haven't we? We've talked yeah. about the areas of the coughs and the cold and the likely people back in, in the UK or in Canada heading into winter. Yeah. And then conversely, we talked about people entering the sunshine a bit more yeah. over here in the UAE. I think it's kind of good. I think we've, we've covered both bases today. It's fantastic. We're, we're going to be back pretty soon. I'm going to, we're going to forward promote. We're going to have uh, the, the, uh, the good doctor, Dr. Neil joining us. It's going to be a lot of fun because he's the gastroenterology guy. So, yeah. Also, if you haven't checked out, let me um, find his Instagram. Dr. Neil has set up a really fantastic Instagram account. And I think he's brand new. I think he has two followers, one of whom is myself. And and he's really putting some absolutely brilliant content out there. So, it's Dr. Neil Dubai. Oh, he's, he's jumped up to 23 followers now, okay. but really, really amazing content. So please do check him out on, on Instagram. Okay. So Dr. Neil Dubai, he's going to be on the show. We're going to talk about his Instagram. We're going to talk about your health. So it's going to be fun. That's coming up really soon. Dr. Jenna, thank you very much. It's been an Thanks. absolute pleasure as always. Look forward to doing this again really, really soon. It's the Doc Talk podcast with Dr. Jenna Burton. <laughs>